0: well please know that we're continuing in the blessed to be a blessing sermon series and we enter into a new realm today as we focus on the gifts of the god that god gives us and we recognize the discover your gifts workbook is something many of us are going through if you haven't had a chance to pick one up there's still some available pastor brian and his family as i said are continuing in their sabbatical i think they're in germany but i'm not sure And if they're in Germany, I'm sure they're enjoying some of the Reformation artwork, the beautiful artwork that is in Europe. And maybe he's walking in the footsteps of Luther. I'm not sure because, well, I haven't heard from him since May when he left. So that's why I'm not sure. But he did leave us with a great schedule, a sermon schedule that we're applying. Today, we're focusing on artistic gifts. So that'll be our focus. But First, we might want to look at how we define being artistic. Think about that for a moment, if you will. How do you define being artistic? Is it having your own unique artwork shown at the Inside Out Accessible Art Gallery? If you painted that, God bless you. Is it going to the McLean County Art Center and enjoying other artistic creation and dreaming about your own artistic gifts? Is it going to the ISU Center for Performing Arts and seeing dancing going on? Could it be that you take time to enjoy the gifts of others as you go to the Illinois Symphony Orchestra and listen to that beautiful sound? What about going to the Threshold of Hope here in Bloomington to see how they bless other people as those with physical or mental health challenges create art? Or maybe you're a glass blower. Has anybody ever done that? Blown glass. Oh, one person. I don't know if you've been to the Ring of Fire hot glass studio here in town. I didn't know that existed till I looked. Art comes in a variety of ways. Maybe you're an individual that has went to the Merlot and Masterpiece shop. For some of you, you're thinking, hmm, Painting while drinking wine sounds interesting and enjoyable for some of you, I'm sure. I go back to the question for a moment. How do you define being artistic? I have friends that own Ironstone Vineyards that's in the foothills of the Sierra Mountains in California, and they would definitely say there's art to making good wine. One of the owners told me there isn't an art to making wine, but there is art to making good wine. So he was making a distinction. And for those of you who are in agriculture, sustainable agriculture can be artful in itself. What about restoring a car and being blessed to show them right here in Bloomington or even in California? Or what about being able to bless others by creating beautiful cards while stepping out of your scariness and using this newly found artistic gift to bless others? as our own Amy Brooke does in these artworks. Or maybe it's creating something just sitting at home to bless the little feet of a newborn. Or using your artistic gifts to cook, to be a chef and bless others with delicious food from your kitchen. In our book, Discovering Your Gifts, artistic gifts are described as gifts that help you express yourself in creative and artistic ways. So how about yourself? How do you express yourself artistically? I was speaking with some of you, and you're like, I have no artistic skills. But when you broaden the scope, it's not just about painting. It's not just about drawing. When you broaden the scope and understanding of being artistic, Many, if not most of us, have some artistic gifts. Maybe it's through creating something in the agricultural arena. Maybe it's through restoring something like an old car. Maybe it's through making cool cards or hot food. Again, how do you see the artistic gifts that God has given you? Or how do you express yourself artistically? In today's focus text, as Jeff said earlier, biblical character to examine regarding artistic gifts is David. Before I delve into David, David's deeper connection of artistic gifts, let me refresh for some of us who David was. Many people first will say, well, that's King David you're talking about. Well, let me tell you, he wasn't always the king. He became the king. He was anointed the king, but he had to start somewhere. Many of us may think of David as a a rock star from the start, all the things that he did. He was gifted, but he wasn't gifted when he walked out of the pasture. Coming up on the screen is an important quote. It comes from a time when I was serving at Prince of Peace in Burnsville, Minnesota. This is way back in the 90s. Pastor Paul Gaucher shared that with us. Please know that God does not call the equipped, but indeed... God equips the called. God equipped David. Again, he didn't walk out of sharing or uh, being with the sheep as a rock star. He had to be equipped by God to do what he was doing. He wasn't born a king, but he was destined to be the king. We initially encounter David in 1 Samuel 16, where we read these words, "'Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all your sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. Tending the sheep, Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. Now he had to have something going on with him, right? I mean, the description, fine appearance, handsome features, he's glowing. So God has chosen David, this youngest son, to be anointed. And that's what Samuel the prophet did because that's what God wanted. He anointed David. Now deeper into scripture, we find David became uh, Israel's third king and most important kings as many blessed theologians profess. Oh, were you aware that David is the second most referred to human being in scripture? Right now you're probably thinking, I wonder who the first was? Hmm. Well, David's behind Jesus on that one because we understand Jesus as being fully human and yet fully divine. Author Roland Baton referenced that in his work entitled Luther's Christmas Book. So we have that in part from Bible reading as well as many authors throughout the centuries that Jesus was fully human and yet fully divine. In God's Word, we know that David was the youngest of the seven sons. Seven is an important number. There's many important numbers in the Bible, but seven stands out. From Genesis chapter two, verse three, we have these words: "After He finished the work of creation, God rested on the seventh day and made it holy." And as a result, the number seven, especially for Jewish people, became a reference to completion, to perfection. So in the Jewish culture, in particular the old culture, the Orthodox culture, the seven is a number of completion, a number of perfection. So David was a seventh son, a point of completion. And here's more info about David. He was from Bethlehem. I don't know if you all knew that, that David was from Bethlehem. Oh, if you're going on the holy trip with Pastor Brian and Terry and Jim, you'll be able to go to Bethlehem and maybe walk in the footsteps of Jesus himself. I don't know how long he walked there. You learned people probably know more than I on that one. But from God's word, 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Today, most people associate Bethlehem oh, the little town of Bethlehem. Oh, that's where Jesus was born. That's where the Savior of the world, the Messiah, was born. But about a thousand years before Jesus, an anointed one was born there. Came from this unassuming town. Luke chapter 2, verse 4, refers to Bethlehem as the town of David. So we can basically understand that Bethlehem was his, uh, his stomping grounds. That's where he ran around as a child. That's where he grew up. That's where he tended sheep in that area. So David has this important connection to Bethlehem as Jesus does. And many in the 21st century tend to focus on Jesus' birth in a manger. But I believe it's important for us to consider the implications that the manger was in this little town of Bethlehem, a small by some people's standards, an insignificant town. Yet historically, especially with the Orthodox Jew, they associate this town of Bethlehem with one of the biggest announcements ever. Had nothing to do with Jesus, because the Orthodox Jew wouldn't think of Jesus as a Messiah. But they did connect with David's announcement and anointing in Bethlehem. He was anointed the king and he had these humble beginnings. And obviously we've all heard of Jesus being referred to as anointed Messiah. In the Bible, anointed one and Messiah are But better yet, the Hebrew, Mashiach, is the connection as well for anointed, which would have been the language of the time of David. So God's anointed one was a person he chose to lead and save his people. When the Israelites wanted a human king, the prophet Samuel anointed Saul to show that God had set him apart for this special role. As stated in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ro- ruler over his inheritance? But as those of us who read scripture realize that even though he was anointed to be the ruler, to be the king, Saul disobeyed God. He was a man. He was a human. We knew that would happen because since the fall, man has disobeyed God. And I know some of you are thinking, well, not me. Well, you're disobeying God by saying not me because we have all sinned. As Paul said, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But years later, when Saul disobeyed God, God rejected him as king. He remained the king, but God had rejected him. And through that rejection, God chose someone else to step up. And as we heard earlier, God sent Samuel the prophet to Jesse of Bethlehem, telling him, I have chosen one of his sons to be king. And Samuel, the prophet, rightly so, for a kingly image was probably thinking of a, a tall, older, broad-shouldered, handsome guy. Hmm. But we understand that God doesn't choose people simply by their appearance. He assumed the oldest son Elab would be the clear choice choice, being the chosen one, being the oldest. But God told Samuel he doesn't use the same factors humans use when it comes to choosing God. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I'm wondering if this is where the saying, don't judge a book by its cover, came from. Think of that. How often we make calls, make judgments on someone's appearance. And yet that person is a beautiful image created by God. And we reject them maybe because their outward appearance. We have to be, as Christians, persons that look beyond that. To dig deeper into the soul of an individual so we can resonate with them and with God at the same time. Anyways, when Samuel saw Jesse's youngest son, the shepherd boy, David, the Lord said, rise and anoint him, this is the one. So God identified David clearly and Samuel anointed him, but it didn't instantly make him the king. He didn't all of a sudden have the crown and walk into the palace. Most likely David walked back to the pasture to care for the sheep at that time. 1 Samuel 16, 13 tells us, "'From that day on the Spirit of the Lord "'came powerfully upon David.'" Because he was anointed by God. So the Spirit is now with him. As the Spirit has been promised to be with us, if you've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, especially in the Lutheran tradition, we believe that is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in your baptism whether it be an infant or an adult, the same Holy Spirit comes upon you. We acknowledge that before David was a king, he was a simple shepherd boy. And being a shepherd, he'd move sheep from one place to another. God chose a shepherd boy to move people from one place to another as his chosen one when he became a king. That's what he was called into. God calls us into service into activities by the gifts that he's blessed us with and then those gifts artistic maybe start to blossom and relationship with god and others develop because of that let me share with you our focus text for today is from first samuel chapter 16 if you don't want to turn to that chapter 16 starting at verse 14. now the spirit of the lord had departed from saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, see an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. Uh, Lyre, it's spelled L-Y-R-E. And I almost wanna say liar when I see that word, but that sounds weird to say liar when you're using God's word. So I'm going to say lear. Hopefully I'll remember that. And if you know the proper pronunciation, get me later. Continuing in scripture. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lear. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking as a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, that's in reference to an evil spirit, came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit That's our focus text for today that we'll expand upon as we look back at verse 14 that I read a moment ago. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. So David, not being king yet, is serving Saul, the king of Israel, whom God's favor was no longer with, but an evil spirit was upon him. Some people struggle with that. Why would the Lord send an evil spirit into one who was following him? In a sense, King Saul was a Jew, a follower of God. But that's what God did to get his attention. Saul had fallen away from him in a variety of missteps. We don't have the time to go into all of those, but I encourage you to read Scripture. Scripture to read the chapters before this in particular 15 and you'll see some of those missteps that led up to god deciding that i'm sending an evil spirit into king saul's life but this evil spirit also allowed for the opportunity for the anointed one david to come forth so we have that blessing as well god does all things for the good of his followers Remember, David played the lyre, so music was a blessing thousands of years ago, as it still is today. Sometimes music is soothing for the soul. Sometimes it, it enlivens our heart to do things we wouldn't naturally do. Sometimes it pumps us up, if you're an enjoyer of 70s rock bands, sometimes it pumps us up to do things that we normally wouldn't do as well. Now, Jeff, I'm not sure in your studio next to your accordion, if there's a lyre. But if there was, he would pick it up and play it and bless others through that playing because that's one of his artistic gifts, the gifts of music, and we're thankful for that. Jeff and others, as I mentioned earlier, bless us every week with their vocals, with their musical talent, with their artistic gifts, and we should always be grateful and thankful for that. There's wonderful tools used to proclaim God's word that are far beyond just the voice. And that's sort of a a reference from Discover Your Gifts workbook if you're utilizing that in your life group. Back to our focus text in verse 17, we read that King Saul said, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. I like that. Find someone who plays well. Would you ever seek out someone that plays badly? Think about that. But someone who plays well and bring him to me. This is where David of Bethlehem comes into play, who we know the Lord is with. That's a powerful thing. Verse 18, I read earlier, shared that. David now is entering into that palace, that kingly realm feature of his future. David's dad sent him to enter King Saul's service, and we know that king's, the king's service was something very special. And he did so well by blessing the king musically. But he must have been a great servant because he became armor bearer, which was an honor to receive that uh, promotion in a sense. So Saul must have liked David very much. Scripture tells us in verse 23, that David continued to play the lair to calm the evil spirits the Lord would send upon King Saul. So I'm wondering sometimes, going back to the Bible, it wasn't as if the evil spirit was with, Paul and manife- or with Saul and manifesting itself all the time. It was only at certain times. And I'm sure in your life, at times, you sense that as well. That maybe you're going down the, the wrong road and God is uh, sending you a signal that only happens when you go down the wrong road. Not necessarily tormenting you with the evil spirit, but maybe sending a brother or sister in Christ into your path to redirect you into a godly path. It's interesting to note that, I'm sure some of you already have, that the next chapter in the Bible highlights David and Goliath. That's a big theme, David and Goliath. This is where in my sermon preparation, hanging out over at Panera Bread, I went down a rabbit hole. I started writing and studying. If I were to share with you all of the 42 pages I wrote on this, well, I'd be responsible for ordering lunch for all of you because we'd be here a long time. But I want to respect our wonderful time here in worship and offer some more reflection, particularly pertaining to our own artistic gifts. Our artistic gifts are to build up the kingdom of God because we're blessed to be a blessing to other people. So when we acknowledge that we're blessed to be a blessing, all the things that we do, even the artistic gifts that we're mentioning, should focus and give energy to God. In the Old Testament, God gathers those who serve him. In Exodus chapter 35, there's a great example of God pulling out, calling out individuals with artistic gifts to glorify him. In the New Testament, in chapter three of Colossians, it states, verse 23 and following, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When we reflect on scripture such as that, we have as our primary focus to do God's work, not to impress other people. Now, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. How often have you done things to impress somebody else? Especially those of us that are married We do a lot sometimes to impress our spouse, especially during, for some of us, days of old when we were dating before we got married. But we're called, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as servants of God, to do things for Him, not for other humans to be impressed by what we do. Now, if we're called to be active, to invest in ourselves, what is the... What is the end result? For some of this world, I say of this world, is to become wealthy, to elevate oneself so everybody knows of them or respects them. But what would be the purpose of working hard, you would think, as a Christian? Is it only to glorify yourself or those around you? Or is it to glorify God? Obviously, it's the latter. Our hard work is intended to benefit other people, but not to glorify ourselves or them, but to put the focus, the the direction towards God. Maybe it's through blessing others when you make something and give it to them. Maybe it's through blessing others when you fix something. Anytime you have an opportunity to bless someone, I would encourage you to take it. Some of you may go out to lunch after this, Bless your waiter or waitress, especially if you have a Faith Lutheran name tag still on. Let them know that you're a Christian that loves blessing other people. Recently, I was in St. Louis, and I was with my niece and her two daughters, my grandnieces, that would be, and we were at breakfast, and my eyes aren't as good as they once were. And I noticed when the bill, I looked down at it, and I thought it said $83. So I rounded up to 100 and was filling in the tip, and Carrie, my niece, corrected me. She said, it only says 63 Well, this waitress is really getting blessed then, because I'm not changing the bottom line here. So when God blesses us, we're called to bless others in a variety of ways, not just by tipping. But in our kindness, in our actions, in our speech, holding a door open for someone, even a guy holding a door open for a guy, it's okay. Being polite, being courteous, being a Christian is just taking opportunities to bless other people. And then when the opportunity arises, let them know why you're blessing them. And that's part of using our artistic gifts when we get to share the love of Jesus with other people. Paul in his letter to the Philippians explains his desire to go to heaven, but he must stay on earth to benefit other people. That's why we're here, to benefit other people. Not solely ourselves, but other people. So as Christians, our work, our creativity, our our artistic gifts, our service, whether they be at a giant insurance company or working at SOAR, helping out volunteering there. We're all pointing people, I pray, towards Christ. We're all blessing them with a vision that they can come to know Jesus Christ if they don't have that relationship already. We're called to be vessels, the Bible tells us, to reveal who Jesus is to other people. And since we are made in God's image and we honor that, Everywhere we go, everything we do should be like a living billboard for God. If you think about that, that's a lot of weight to carry. That I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior, am a living billboard for Him. Guess what? You're going to fall short of that. But guess what? God knew that. That's why he offers grace through Jesus Christ for us. We should always remember that when we're using our artistic gifts, they are an opportunity to share Jesus with someone who doesn't know them yet. Would you bow your heads in a time of prayer? Father God, just like your called servant David uses the lair and the writing of Psalms to draw people to you, may our activities the use of our artistic gifts be used to draw people to you. Whether it be a conversation while you're standing next to your cool car or telling someone about you in a card, be with us and guide us each and every day. And I offer this with Lord in your mercy.